This is a main hustle media podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey, y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine. The busiest mixed race, bisexual, polyamorous, atheist, comic book nerd, cat mom, mask making, Gulf Coast Cosmos comic book co-owning podcaster in this podcasting game. This is episode 119 and I haven't quite decided yet, but I'm thinking this might be the last interview show of 2020. I usually do a reflections episode either at the end of the year or the beginning of the year. And it's usually kind of like I just get a feel for when to do it. And I kind of think that I might do the reflections episode next week because I'm on break from my day job. Uh, So it'd be a good time to do it. Also, because I'm on break for my day job, I'm assuming that there's a lot of other people that are on break as well because my apartment complex is super loud right now and I'm hoping that it doesn't impact my audio quality, but I can hear stuff in my headphones, so I think it might. So if that's the case, I think there's just a lot of people home right now. Apologies for uh, audio quality. I only have a couple of announcements today and then we're going to jump right into the episode. I'm really going to do my best to commit to being less than 10 minutes on my intros if I can, because um, you know I can talk. All right, so the first announcement is, last week I mentioned I was a guest on the Squeezing Lemons podcast, which is hosted by Ginger, one of our current cousin, but former guests of Militantly Mixed from episode 36, which was a sense of racial capital in mixedness. And I think we did this one in 2018 or 2019, right towards the beginning of the year or something like that. It was definitely a while ago. But she and her co-host, Jason, set a very lovely virtual table for me, and we had a really nice conversation. The episode is from their season two, episode 15. It's called Kamala and Our Mixed Emotions with Mixed Girl Maine. And so we talked about, you know, the complicated feelings that some of us have about Kamala Harris as a candidate um, and as a mixed person. And it's one of the few times I've gotten to talk about Kamala as a fellow Black Asian person, too. So it was a good conversation, had a great time. And and you can go back and listen to the Ginger episode, episode 36, if you want to get to know her or re-get to know her if you haven't heard it in a couple of years. And then in, I think, February or late January, we'll air the episode with Jason, her co-host. So it's really nice to get to know Jason and to to get to chat with Ginger again, because back when we spoke in 2018, whenever that was, uh, she had opened me up to a few things that I didn't know to be looking for in terms of uh, academia and mixedness. And it was really nice to get a chance to talk to her again. 
So check out their show. I'll put a link to the show notes in it, but whatever podcatcher you listen to, you can find it. It is called Squeezin' Lemons. It's a good show. Check it out. Support one of our, our cousins. Give them a subscribe and a like and a review on the iTunes or the Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The other announcement that I have is for those of you who may not be on our Instagram, uh, we have been doing the 12 Days of Mixedness on Instagram every day, sometime between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern, or no, Pacific. I forgot where I live. Sometime between 5 and 7 p.m. Pacific every night, I have been dropping a new video where one of our cousins, a former guest of Militantly Mix or someone that I've met or been involved with in Mixedness in some way, shape, or form, who has some relationship with Militantly Mix, um, I sent them a bunch of questions and a few of them sent me back answers via video so that I can clip it together for this Instagram thing. And it's been a lot of fun. It seems like it was something that people really enjoyed doing. And it's going to be a, a tradition of Militantly Mix from, from now on. So December 13th to December 24th, there will be a new video every day celebrating Mixedness for 12 days. And I will answer all the questions that I asked of my guests on the final day. So check that out. If you're not only a follower on Instagram, just head on over to at Militantly Mix and, um, and you can see those videos there. And it's been a lot of fun. And I really appreciate everybody who sent in their videos because it's been, it's been cool. It's, and it's another way of getting to know people that I have been involved with through the show. It's been great. Um, I think that's pretty much it for the announcements. So my guest this week is uh, Joe Holt, who is a new cousin who's coming to us from uh, St. Louis, the Arch City Defenders. And this one is a little bit different than I have normally done it. Usually, I have set up a time to do a pre-screen, a video chat with a guest or a potential guest. And then after we kind of break the ice, I schedule another time for us to actually record the interview. But COVID kind of changed that, um, actually changed it quite a bit. Uh, because one, even though we're home more, some of us, um, it doesn't really make sense to, to do this video recording and, or video meeting and then a recording later because everybody's just home and already ready to go. So I usually spend about 15 minutes ahead of the recording to kind of do those icebreakers that I did in the beginning. And so Joe is a person in this category of someone I actually hadn't met before, either met virtually or in person before actually doing the recording. Pretty much they signed up on the Be a Guest of Militantly Mixed link on the website, and then I sent them a calendar. They picked a day, and then we got to go in. So that's kind of how things are going to be going forward. One, because the list is filling up quite a bit on the Be a Guest of Militantly Mixed. I got a lot of people to still reach out to for January and February, and it's just this is the new way it's going to be. So I don't know a whole lot about the guests now before we get into it. Whereas you, before I kind of know a little bit of something so that I can put that into the question. So it's a, it's a whole new world of how I'm doing military mix right now. But Joe was really gracious in that kind of role, being able to just jump into the conversation and, and it feel very comfortable and like we've known each other, even though we didn't know each other. So I'm happy to share his story with y'all and look forward to continuing to get to know new cousin Joe and um, finding other ways in which we can utilize our mixedness to support our communities wherever we're at or even on the internet like we do with Militantly Mixed. So without further ado, please 
Join me in welcoming our latest cousin to the Militantly Mixed family, Joe Holt. So my guest today is Joe. Why don't you get into it, cousin? Let's talk. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Um, I'm so glad to be here and uh, excited to talk with you. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, let everybody know who you are, and the, of course, the dreaded question that we all get asked, what part of the Dominican Republic are you from? No. Um, right. <laughs> if you don't mind mentioning what your uh, ethnic background is so we can get into it. That's right. Yeah. So I'm Joe Holt, uh, director of development over at Arch City Defenders in St. Louis. Uh, dad, you know, husband, you know, try to be a good son on occasion. And uh, yeah, mostly I, I get everything but what I am. I am like Slovakian, Norwegian, and then African American. Or if you were asking my dad, he would just say, We just black. We just black, right? Yeah. Um, I did see that you wrote down black Viking. That's the Norwegian uh, thing going there. Right. So, you know. so we we talked a little bit before before we got going a little bit and we were we were kind of talking about this thing that we all kind of crave as mixed folks a community that actually feels like we speak the same language or that we don't have to provide context or anything like that. And so I understand that's sort of how you came to the show. What sort of things have you dealt with in your life that got you to the point that you started to search for? Yeah, I mean, so I think, you know, it all starts with, like many people's stories, your first um, story of finding that out that you're different than other folks when you originally thought that you were, you know, just like everybody else. And so, you know, I'm from the Midwest, you know, St. Louis, born and raised. And, you know, my mom lived in pretty poor, uh, all black community. So she'd get a pass because she had the dark kid. And there I felt very comfortable, right? I'm with my mom, who's white, rural, you know, background, but I'm in the black community. It wasn't until we would kind of venture out um, mm. outside of that area um, that, you know, you might get some looks. And I remember distinctly, we were at a fast food place and this guy was trying to get in front of my mom or something and just started cursing and, and saying, you know, what's going on with that end baby and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And just like going off on her. And so of course I'm asking these questions, you know, at six years old, like, what is, what's he talking about? Like, what is yeah. this? And, you know, she totally avoided. <laughs> and so then I just started asking more and more questions. And then, you know, next thing you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing my own personal search on like, wait a second. So not everybody's mixed. Like, you know, some people assume that they are one thing or, or another or not yeah. all or, you know, are, are very closeted about it. And so, um, yeah, that that was kind of my my first um you know, I guess my first saga in, in the in the first chapter. Yeah. It's it is weird how you can like start out and you can tell that both of your parents are different colors, but it's just a thing. Like literally everybody in my family was a different shade of something. So it wasn't yeah. a thing until moving to a school where most of the people were either all black or all white. 
And then I'm like, huh, my family is different. You know, like I didn't. Yeah. It, it's just weird how you need you need somebody to either say something problematic or, you know, whatever to actually make you realize that there is something about you that is not like the others. Yeah, that conflict uh, creates growth, though, you know, so it's mm-hmm. like you ask more questions and uh and, you know, I didn't, I didn't really get to know my father's family. You know, they were separated. And so my dad is actually, you know, he's, he's passed, but he was originally from Atlanta via Pelham, Georgia. You know, for those of you in the South listening, you know, what up to Pelham? Um, <laughs> population, maybe 3,000. But, um, yeah, I mean, and so I, I was just learning everything from the streets, but you know, at the same time, because you're a little bit different and, you know, you're trying to figure a way out. Like I remember getting beat up by the black kids, the white kids, you know, the, the, the kids that were like, you know, uh, Latino, but in a small population, like right. I was just getting it from everybody. Yeah. You know? And it, it was hard and I didn't understand why it was happening. But then I, I joined um, uh, the boys club and I remember just getting really good at talking to people, you know, like and talking my way out of it. Because at the time, you know, I wasn't a, a tall kid. I wasn't a strong kid. I was just like average. And so I got really good with making friends. And then I befriended these two mixed brothers uh, and they started calling me cousin. And then, you know, every time I had problems, I'd be like, hey, cousin, like, you know, beat these guys up and <laughs> and they were taking care of me. So, you know, that was, it was pretty good for a couple of years. For me, I was adopted by the Samoan kids because, I mean, because the, I was tiny and I guess my personality was okay. So they, they came through and, <laughs> and <laughs> right. took care of me. Well, that's um, good. At what point did you go from like, just thinking everybody is like you to actually identifying as a mixed person? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think, you know, I want to say it was probably high school. So I think I really just said, no, I'm black. That's the end of the the story. Uh, Because I remember a lot of my black friends saying like, look, nobody's going to associate you with anything else but blacks. You're black. Hearing a lot about the, you know, the one drop rule and all this other stuff. And so but it wasn't until I started like meeting other mixed folks, becoming more educated and understanding that I could actually have my own identity uh, that in high school, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not I'm not claiming either side. I want to claim all sides. And, and then, you know, using sort of my uh, defense mechanisms that I learned, you know, when I was young, I really just started trying to make friends with everybody uh, and had a pretty successful you know, high school time because of it, like homecoming king and captain of all these sports and stuff like that. But it was really just learning what not to do and how to maneuver these really difficult conversations because I was so used to violence, you know? So I'm like, yeah. I, I don't, I want to figure out how to have this conversation with this individual or individuals where they're laughing now and they think I'm okay and I'm not a threat. And, uh, you know, and it also helped that I was, I was lifting a lot uh, and for football at the time. So I put mm. on like 30 pounds of muscle. Mm. And so make, you know, the, the charisma mixed with like, you know, knowing not how to get yourself out of a situation, it, you know, it's kind of, kind of helped me through high school and even college really. I feel like being funny, being a fighter or, you know, like the, like different things like that. You're what, you got to pick one of these categories so yes. that you can be sort of, um, 
acceptable dis- despite the fact that you're yes. you're the weird one or the different one from from the group that you're around. For me, Which one did you fix? Yeah, or, or pick? I was mostly funny. Um, yeah. Because I was so tiny. I was like, I mean, my freshman year in high school, I was like 98 pounds. I was barely five foot. Um, yeah. I, by the time I got to my, my tallest, I was five, three, you know, so like I, I wasn't going anywhere. I right. had a mouth on me, but I wasn't a fighter. So I always had fighting friends. Mm-hmm. And I think every hood kid has like your funny person that everybody wants to protect. And I, I was kind of that, I was that person. Um, That's good. I could yeah. clown really well, which helped me because, you know, in the hood, if you can't clown, good luck to you, baby. That's right. Um, so That's there was, right. there was stuff like that. Like I, I had that um, and I was a dancer. So the other part was, oh, that mixed girl could dance. And there therefore go. I got more cred because my dad, even though he was black, he was, people would identify him as a Tom and, and stuff. So, you know, not just because with my mom, he had a Japanese partner. And then with my stepmom, he had a a Mexican Italian partner. Uh, So there was already a sort of anti, you know, there's never a black woman type of thing, but there was, there was identifiable Tomness coming from him. And, uh, and so I almost had to like over, compensate for my blackness because I felt black as hell. Like you could not tell me I wasn't black. And then they started telling me I wasn't. And I had to deal with like my confusion related to, to all that. So yeah, I went, I went the funny route so that I could um, find my tribe and be protected. (laughs) Cause I'm so small. So this has been coming up a lot lately. It's come up in a couple different conversations I've had. It's funny how this militantly mixed thing is gone. Like in the beginning, it was really about finding people at first that were mixed, any kind of mix, and mostly black and white biracial, because that was kind of who, who found me. And then there was this period of time where there's a lot of like white passing or white appearance conversations. Like, do I get to claim mixedness? And mm. then the next thing was sort of like the when you're married to when your parents are one colonizer and one Asian, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, like, yeah. like we got, I keep going through these phases. And right now, what seems to be the phase is for those of us that are mixed with black. Whether or not we go forward as we just black, like you said at the beginning, or if we if we put mixed in front, do we say black mixed? Do we mix black? You know, that kind of stuff, um, because looking at us, yeah, no one's going to think we're white, like, right, um, right, you know, right. like no one's going to think yeah. we're white. So even if we were raised, I wasn't, but I know a lot of my listeners, you may have been raised by your white parent. Right. So you have this weird thing of like, no one sees me as white, but I was raised by, by this white person. So how do I maneuver? How do you feel about when a person either chooses to identify exclusively as black or put mixed black? Like, how do you feel about those kind of ideas? Yeah. I mean, I think as far as individuals, like, you know, people are free to do whatever they want. I think they're free to identify as one or the other or both or none. I, I like, you know, the one thing that I do enjoy being a mixed person, talking to mixed people. Is we're we're sort of fluid with that, love it or, or or don't. And you know, there have been many times where I've seen people, you know, pass as white on the phone to get a job, and we then they're like, Aha, surprise!" You know, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I love it. You know, like I think I think people should be able to do whatever they want. Like that's that's the whole point. At the same time, but they got to tr- be true to themselves. You know, so don't you know, don't buy, you know, another culture if you can't, um, 
if you can't really identify with that, and if you can't identify with that, but you love the culture, you know, explore it to the best of your ability, get into the community, you know, struggle with them at the same time. But, you know, just understand that there's certain identities that you just can't have, you know, you gotta, you just gotta be true to yourself. Yeah, I find the the conversations that I have in particular with black, white, biracial folks on the show, because I'm triracial and even though technically half white because both of my parents were half white I didn't grow up around white people until I was a teenager so there's still a whole lot of mystery surrounding like what it's like to grow up half white to me but (laughs) what (laughs) uh, I definitely identify more with the Japanese and the and the blackness but when when we're in this space we're like we're walking around with our brown little selves and you know people are deciding whatever they're deciding for us I found that I went through this period of time where everybody was saying things like, you know, you should be more proud. Don't mention that you're mixed. You should be proud of being black. And then I'm like, yeah, but look at me. You know, there was a period of time when I realized I didn't look black um, to other people. Like I Mm -hmm. look black to black people, but I didn't look black to other people. And once I figured that out, then there was this thing of like, well, I can't even claim Japanese because no Japanese is going to be like, hey, you must be a (laughs) you must be a mixed Japanese. Like, I know that's not going to happen. But the Filipinos would accept me and the Mexicans would accept me um, (laughs) because I look like them and I had crunchy curly hair and stuff. It was the 90s. What are you going to do? And and so then it was this thing of like, you should have pride because you look like these people that you're not. You know, so like the Mexicans would be really hard on me, like you should be proud of being Mexican. I'm like, but I'm not Mexican. They're like, yeah, but you look Mexican. (laughs) Right. And then I'm like, well, well, dang, like I can't I'm not black enough to be black. I'm not I'm clearly never going to be white. I'm not going to be Japanese, but I'm even not Mexican enough for the Mexicans, despite not being Mexican. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. What do I do with that? Yeah. Did Did you feel like you had to survive in pockets of people that you kind of resembled in different times in your oh, life? Oh, all the time. Yeah, still do, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, 41, got a 16-year-old son. Like, I still have to, to do that professionally, personally. You know, I think, you know, when we're, we get adopted and we get shunned, right, by different groups. True, and, absolutely. you know, it really depends on the, you know, the struggle between internal and external identity if someone wants to, like, I get Italian all the time. I don't know why. Hmm. Okay. Got no Italian. I mean, I think it's maybe just because there's a lot of Italians here in St. Louis, but oh, okay. constantly they're like, oh, you you know, this guy's Italian. We like this guy. You know, we thought you were Italian. Uh, and I, you know, it's not something that I'm against. Like I love Italians. I love people in general. Um, I will let them know, like, look, you know, I appreciate that. I'm not Italian. Why did you think I was Italian? But I don't take offense to it either. But at the same time, right. I've been in them in those, um, you know, in those meetings where, you know, you're, you're the, the mixed guy in, a, in an all black group or you're a mixed guy in an all white group. And you kind of get muted from the group and your voice if it's, it's speaking specific to, you know, some racial things or it gets mm. elevated. I know with my, you know, with my white cousins a lot, they're like, ask me a lot of questions. Right. And, and and I'm happy to answer because we're family. Um, and then I've also been with my black cousins and they've been, you know, talking, you know, real bad about white folks. And I'm like, yo, like I'm right here. You know, <laughs> you're talking about my moms and my peeps, too. You know, right. like show some respect. So, you know, I, I think that we all have to maneuver it. I think we will always have to maneuver it as long right. as people really elevate this whole race thing. And then let's be honest, like after, you know, if we were ever in, you know, past race, it'd be something else, you know, economics, 
color, you know, whatever. You and I also talked about, we don't have to mention what the thing was, but you and I have both been in spaces that have been mixed where we try, but we find a different way to try, but because if, if we're all mixed in this room, what's the other thing we divide up by women, we divided by, yeah. divide up by yeah. sexuality, like th- different things like that might actually make us try, but we're just naturally tribal. In yeah. Ours, and yeah. I can talk, I can talk broadly. So I was at this, this group meeting with a bunch of mixed folks and long story short, you know, I thought like, this is going to be Shangri-La. This is the spot where I'm going to feel completely comfortable and people sectioned off by darkness and lightness even though everyone in there there was you know mixed people transracial adoptees like any any form that you can think of and still at the end of the day you know there was a lighter side and a medium side and a darker side and I was like man like we just can't we just can't, we can't even help get our, it. ourselves organized you know so I think it's really human nature like we even though here in, in America specifically, it's a very individualistic culture, I think generally our human nature is to tribe up in some way, shape or form. If yes. it's in the workplace, you tribe up with the people that um, either have the same educational background as you or racial background or gender or whatever. I find that I tend to gravitate towards the people who like me have to code switch, you know, like I have a name that comes yeah. with a soundtrack and it tells my story before you see my face. And then you see my face. And if you're white, you're like, how do you she have a name like that? If you're black, you're like, oh, I wonder what she's mixed with. You know, like I right, have so right. I look I tend to tribe up in the workplaces with people that are also that also have that going on. You know, we're the we're the people that some person eventually is going to tell us we're articulate, you know, because we have names that are associated with like hoodness or, or whatever. Um, So that tends to be the people that I end up tribing up with. It happens everywhere I work at and it's completely (laughs) accidental. Like it's not intentional. It's just something I finally realized. I'm like, Oh, all of us have these big old names, you know, and we're, you know, we're ambiguous and, and we're educated and people will talk to us like that, you know, like, Oh, it's such a surprise that someone with the name like Charmaine Latrice, well, you know, like stuff like that. So I find like, like it's just a natural thing that we that we do in places, and and you hope hope that when you find because we exist in so many places that we're not exactly like everybody else, you yes. hope that in in a space like a mixed space that that wouldn't happen. But I I don't think we can help it. That being okay. said. I've found that in militantly mixed, like in the social group where we hang out on Sundays and things like that, um, so far it's been a really supportive place. As this play, as this space grows. I don't doubt that at some point, if we got together in in person, it would be kind yeah, of yeah, that'd be cool. You know, yeah, would, I'd, I'd be down. Be you know, try to uh, get some somewhere maybe in the middle. You know, right? Saying, you know, the the goal was to have some kind of retreat. Um, yeah. that was that was kind of something I started talking about, and you know, then the Rona happened, so. You know, I mean, maybe once it clears up, we'll have like the Mediterranean one or the, the, you know, camping one or the whatever, like find little places that we can, that we can find out. I'd be down for that. Yeah. Yeah, It'd be fun, right? So let me ask, I want to ask a a question about the phenomena that I get a lot. It might just be me, but I've never heard it on your podcast. So sometimes mixed folks kind of act like cats. And what I mean like that is like you walk in the room, right? And everyone's you know, seems monoracial, except for that one person that you know has got something. Yeah. But you like, you both avoid each other because you don't want to ask mm-hmm. the question that we all get asked. But at the same time, you want to 
let the person know you're around. So it's like you kind of, you hover. You want to give whatever the mixed equivalent to a, to the nod is. It's like, you know, if it goes down, I got your back, but we can't talk right now. Like, I can't talk to you, you know? Yeah. Like, like we'll just, have a meeting later, you know? Um, I, so mil, pre-militantly mixed Charmaine would look for the eye contact so that you could kind of do the little nod or whatever mm-hmm. with the understanding, like, we got to stay separate so that people don't think, Oh, there goes the brown ones, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, And in those cases, Jordan forces. Right. So in those cases, we'd have these secret family dinners where it would be like on a Friday, once a month, the brown folks would all get together so we could wild out. Um, But, or the, you know, or mixed folks or whatever. Um, But we would in, in the workplace, never interact unless there was a white person in the room. And part of that was spoken. And part of that was just kind of like, that's what we're doing, right? We're on the same page, same page. Okay. Now, post militantly mixed Charmaine has that filter is gone. Um, <laughs> and I think part of it is because I was, I was almost probably trying to sabotage myself in the workplace so that I would be forced to do this professionally 100%. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, that filter has disappeared. So, I will talk, and I have found that surprising i have found that white people that i'm working with now are actually kind of responding to the fact that i am all the way out you know like out of yeah. the closet about being brown and mixed and proud of it and things like that so i i would say that i have two different versions of that phenomenon but there were times when like yeah it was like let's not we can see each other from across the room and that's okay we get it but let's not mix together because they're going to confuse us anyway. And at one point you're going to mess up or I'm going to mess up to be like, you know, whatever the Brown ones did, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that is, um, (laughs) uh, we do need some kind of like mixed equivalent to the nod because it's not always black mixed. Sometimes it's other thing. Um, I have also gone up to people before and I remember I was working on a TV show and there was a kid there that I just knew like the whole time I, he, he, he gave off big time, not black enough for black folks, not white enough for white folks vibes, you know, yep, like, big yep. time. and so one day he happened to be sitting next to me and I was like, Psst, hey, <laughs> are you like me? And they were like, what do you mean? And I was like, are your parents different colors? <laughs> he goes, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And so that was it. Like that was yep. like how we just kind of had that. We're best friends now. Best so, friends now. So after that, it was like you know, I'd go get a cookie at craft services, and then I'd slide that cookie on over to that person, or you know, whatever. Yeah, like there was little yeah. things that we started doing for each other, and it was legitimately the only reason was because we had, you know, I saw his mixedness, identified it, he felt seen, you know, yeah. and also you have a cousin in the room. So well, and I wonder if it's a time thing too, because. You know, when I'm talking about this little phenomena that I used to have to get with a lot was about a year or two ago. I will tell you. So, you know, I was I, I hired somebody who was also mixed. And, you know, at the time, they didn't know that I was mixed because, you know, I'm doing the incognito interview. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, but I'm doing the interview from the phone. So they don't know. Mm-hmm. And then when we meet for like, you know, here's your, you know, packet and your onboarding, they were like, hmm, and I'm like, <laughs> that's right. And finally, uh, when this person was, you know, leaving um, the organization, they're like, you know, you were the first 
mixed boss I've ever had. Mm. And I was, I was kind of like, well, how was it? She's like, exactly the way I wanted it to be. You know? so, <laughs> That's awesome. it, it felt good. And so now I see people coming out a little bit more and then, and then where I'm at right now, it's like all, all the mixed folks are like, Hey, Hey, you, you're yeah. mixed, right? Like we need to talk. We, there's a whole group here. Like right. we, we need to, awesome. we need to chill. So yeah, it's nice. It's, it's, uh, I think, you know, maybe, I don't know what happened. Maybe it's, it's your podcast or, or, or maybe just something where people are trying to get a little bit more comfortable, um, with, with conversations that normally or used to be historically would be awkward. Now they're like, right. nope, like we're just going to own it. All of it, you know? Yeah, and I hope I mean, that's the way it's going. I hope that's the way it go- it's going. I, um, I kind of piecemeal did that throughout my life, like coming out as mix coming out as this, you know, like all throughout my life, it's always been this sort of like, okay, I'm in a new space. I have to decide when to, when is it appropriate or comfortable for me or safe for me to, to come out as the mixed person in the office or whatever. Um, and some of it would just kind of slide out by accident, you know, like I might mention having a, a Japanese grandma and then someone's like, man, I just did not know that that Brown was coming from Japan. But then, you know, they're confused by that. But they're like, how does someone who's Japanese have a name like Charmaine? Like you can see people doing the math, you know, like trying to figure it out. And then sometimes it would just be like, you know what? I'm so tired of having to do this. So get your questions out. I'm black. I'm Japanese. I'm white. I got an angry British grandmother. I got an angry (laughs) Japanese grandmother. Like I got like, okay, it's out. Like, let's just go. Let's just go. Maybe maybe we need to create laminates. Just like, here you go. You know, (laughs) just just return it at the end of the day. (laughs) But I think now, and it's, it's a combination. I think of just like society was going that way. I think the younger generation is getting in touch with their mixedness way earlier than those of us that are in our forties and, um, and maybe even thirties. Cause I'm still talking to some folks that are in their thirties that are just like, I didn't have anybody to talk to. Yeah. Whereas like the 12 year old at the school or whatever is just like, your parents are the same colors. How embarrassing mm-hmm. for you. You know, like they're like, <laughs> it's a different generation of kids now. So yeah. I, I think that makes it a little bit easier for us too. And then of course, um, the recent social unrest has yes. definitely been like, you know what, let's just do it. And I think that for me, what was the most freeing part of doing militantly mixed, and I wasn't there at first, it took, it took like, um, you know, maybe 10 or 11 episodes where I finally was picking up how many of us felt like we had to hide it and that we was only going to be on this podcast that they could be themselves. And I remember talking to someone in the moment on the show and I was just, and, and they were so apologetically mixed that like, I felt bad in the moment. And I just kind of yelled out, like, just be your mixed ass self. It's fine. This is how you are. And that became a slogan accidentally, Yeah. but it was really the mission all along. I just didn't have a, I didn't have a phrase for it. And it really is like, we spend so much of our time as mixed people, as, as uh, you know, different genders and sexualities and whatever, wherever we're from, we spend so much time trying to perform for the comfort of others while making ourselves uncomfortable. And if we actually could just put that out there on front street and people know, like, listen, with me, you're going to get a militantly mixed person who's going to talk about issues that are going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to stop and pause and explain things when you need explanation. Um, And then sometimes when you ask a question, I'm going to say, not now. 
and that's going to need to be okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I am right. off the clock right now. Um, yeah, that's right. So like, I think now that that is becoming more evident, more people are getting more comfortable with it. And as a result, that's why we're now seeing more, more podcasts. I do feel like there was a period of time I was in sort of mixed podcast isolation. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think it's getting more, you know, more out there because people finally hear, you just need to hear one person say it's okay. Yeah. And I think that validates you and you move forward and you do your thing. I was accidentally an unofficial validator for like the first year of the show where people would literally email me like, is it okay if I look like this, but my dad is this and my mom oh. is this, is it okay for me to say this? And I didn't expect, <laughs> I didn't expect yeah. that to be the thing that happened, but it, it did. And um, I, I hope I found the best way to be able to help a person in validation, but not, but let them know it wasn't up to me, you know, like it's really up to you. Right. I hope, I hope I balanced that. Okay. <laughs> you do, you do a great job. And like I said, I've been listening for a long time and you know, the, the folks that come on your show, they really feel that connection with you, but they also feel connection with, you know, the people that are listening too. And it, it really is, you know, we're all cousins. We're all going through the same stuff. doesn't matter the identities or the racial backgrounds or even, even, uh, you know, places where we live in, in the country or the world, Yeah, but we're all going through it. Right. And this is, like I said, it's kind of like a nice, uh, online lounge, you know, podcast lounge where we can all kind of walk and kind of eavesdrop and listen to somebody else, you know, tell our stories really. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. So the, my favorite part is when I get a message from somebody, cause they listen to someone's pod, they listen to somebody's episode and they were like, Oh my gosh, that was basically, it could have been me telling that story. And yeah. every single person will at some point say, um, I'm not that inter interesting. I don't know why anybody would want to hear about me. And then I'm like, wait for it. You know, yep. because I'm going to send you a message later on and someone's going to have listened to your episode. and They're going to be touched by your specific story. And, um, you know, you'll realize that you're not just doing this. You're not just having this conversation for yourself. You are having this conversation for others. And I like the idea of service to community as as a main mission of the show and yeah. doing that literally just a conversation about your mixedness is going to be a service to the mixed community. So I, I really enjoy that. How do you be mixed in your day to day? Like what, what's it <laughs> like? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, you know, at work, uh, I think it's front and center because, you know, especially with where I work right now, we're definitely, challenging a lot of racism, you know, racism, racist uh, policies, mm -hmm. um, you know, and at the same time, uh, you know, you're trying to uh, be a connector. So, mm -hmm. you know, I've always tried to find that that nice sweet spots where it's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be very clear with you on who I am, identity wise, economically, etc. But at the same time, I do think that we can come together. And I think that's something that you know, a lot of us in St. Louis, in the Midwest, we have to deal with a lot because there's always some, you know, some polarizing effects going on. You know, we don't have a lot of right. echo chambers here. We're always kind of dancing on landmines. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you hear about Midwest nice or, you know, different things. It's not because we want to do that. It's like, you know, you're Survival. having 14 conversations and some of those conversations are, are, 
maybe the way that you think. And then the other seven are exactly not the way you think, but you still have to do business with this individual. So, you know, I I definitely, I love it. I own it. You know, my family owns it, you know, and um, we, we, we love being mixed. We love, we love telling people that Uh, I will check people, you know, if they Mm. go too far one way or the other Mm. um, about things that, uh, you know, I, I just don't agree with. Sure. Uh, but I do believe in sort of finding common ground, you know, yeah. and and I think that's how I always I'm not very polarizing. I, I try to listen to the ridiculousness, you know, one side or the other and then try to say, OK, but how does this affect all of us and what can we do about it? Like, mm-hmm. Don't tell me about the problems. Like, what's the solution here? Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, I think if you just if you listen a lot, you're patient with folks um, and then you let them know where you're coming from and this you know, specific sense, you know, being mixed and, you know, what, what you're about, you know, people like to know uh, up front, you know, they like the disclaimer, right? This is what you're going to get, you know, out of this package. Yeah. Uh, but I'm willing to come somewhere with you mm-hmm. um, in order to get stuff done, whatever that is. You did touch on a little bit in the beginning where you just you mentioned, you know, you were raised by your white mom and you didn't uh, you didn't get to have conversations that clearly explained what experiences you were having as a mixed kid in those moments as a mixed father of mixed children. How are you assisting them with their identities um, and understanding of, of how people are perceiving them? Yeah. So, you know, there's definitely not a book on that either. Right. I wish there, and if there is, you know, please send me a free copy. <laughs> um, no. So, you know, my, I have a 16 year old son. That's the, the only kid I got right now. And I mean, I let him know, like, you know, you're going to, you're going to see it all. You know, he is like light Brown. So he's not like dark Brown. He's not going to get the immediate stares, but people are going to be like, you know, there's something going on there. And so we've had the talk about police, right. That okay. every Brown person has. Cause I'm like, look, like one of these days, this is going to happen to you. You know, this is what you need to do. But at the same time, you know, I've never taught him to ever deal with people on a racial level. And it seems to have worked, you know, he's got a, you know, a bunch of friends that are all different races, you know, gender identities, et cetera. I love it. Like, you know, I couldn't be any happier about, mm-hmm. about how that's turning out. And I think he feels comfortable with himself, you know, and, uh, and just owning, um, you know, the stuff that he wants to do, you know, we're both kind of comic book nerds. So you might, you might like that. Uh, and he, you know, he, he likes, you know, the stuff that he likes and I say, own it, you know, just, yeah. just do what you got to do. And I also try to keep him from some of the things I didn't do because like, you know, I think in the beginning I used to kind of slide, you know, like I, I kind of like will give you just enough when I was, you know, in high school and maybe early college, you know, I started to own my mixes, but I also wasn't like all the way out there. Like you, you're going to deal with me in this way because I was still going through my journey. Right. Right. Uh, but with him, I'm like, just let people know up front, like, this is, this is the way it is. And then you will find your clan and he, yeah. he's found them and it's, it's awesome. Man, for me, finding nerds when I was an adult <laughs> was such a lifesaver. Like, because being a hood kid that was into comics, that was also a girl, you know, like there wasn't a whole lot of spaces for me to to thrive. And so it did take um, growing up and and finding it. But but yeah, when you find your when you do find your clan, um, it is nice to know like that there are ways that you can deal with all the different aspects of your identity in this collective group of, of mishmashy people that you have. I think, I think, um, 
That's really helpful. In terms of like side by side with your kid down the street, do people identify you as family or no? Yeah, they do. Is it obvious? Yeah. One guy even went out of his way at a post office and said, I I know who your dad is. (laughs) Like, which, you know, I took as a compliment, but I could have taken it the other way. But yeah, we look, we look very similar. uh, Although he's like a foot taller than me. But, I look just yeah. like my dad. Like if I was browner yeah. and had curlier hair, I'm I'm the spit of him. But my if I'm angry, my face yeah. looks like my mom. And it's oh. the only time that people can identify my mother as my mother is if they see me angry and they know her. Um, huh. It's such a weird phenomenon because other than that, I don't look like I don't look like her at all. Let's explore um, that a little bit. So do you find that you you when you're angry, you sort of evoke your mom when when you get into that state? I don't know, because both of my parents weren't great in mm-hmm. terms of like them as people, but also them as parents um, yeah. and uh, different kinds of like my dad was a more manipulative, abusive person, whereas my mom was more angry, abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was more psychological violence with my dad and, and physical with my mom. And and I I I have worked so hard to not be like their kid, like not denying that they're my parents, but like yeah. not being a product of, of those two personalities. But this eyebrow um <laughs> that one right there that That's one right, right. there yeah. um it, it's just like i i think that i'm i'm also when i'm angry i'm also tapping down what is potentially a really explosive personality because my mom had one yeah and i think um i think it's 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 a combination of like there's like generational anger that is coursing through my veins and I'm just sitting here trying to like, let's be mixed and love everybody. But also if I got to put it down, I'll put it down, I guess. But like, you know, so yeah, like I'm a lot of the times when I'm angry, I'm trying to like calm the mom (laughs) in me, maybe Um, it's a, it's a weird thing, but yeah, it comes up in my face for some reason that I end up looking like her when I'm, (laughs) when I'm angry. (laughs) Uh, And I noticed that because my dad would in particular, become more violent if he when I was angry because I would look like my mom so he was now he was now fighting me and my mom in those kind of moments it was just a weird uh thing about that but I like I like trying to figure out where our patchwork faces and bodies come from based off of mixedness like yeah I got kind of general like yellowy brown skin or whatever but I'm built like the women on my black side and yeah. I have hair more like the women on my Japanese side. And, you know, like there's all these little things like in the patchwork. So I'm always curious. Um, but I think we do tend to look like our dads. I think biologically. I, I definitely look like my dad. Like yeah. I'm just like a lighter version of him, basically. Yeah, you know? just I like don't the, sound like him. You but know? Yeah. No, no. He was so he was dark. He he was real smooth voiced. You know, okay. I could never get down his voice. <laughs> And, uh, and he had a, you know, Southern draw. I just, I just don't have that, you know? I've but, heard uh, a couple different, um, Missouri accents and, and my, my dad's mom's, my dad's dad's mom side of the family is from Missouri, like way, way back. Okay. All right. Um, but most of them are from Texas and then, and then by way of, um, California. Uh, but I've heard some of those accents and I don't, you have a very like, non-detectable yeah so I, I have sort of the white missouri accent only okay. because when i'm working it just it works 
But I, I mean, I, I, everywhere I go when I'm working, cause I used to work for a lot with the union. I pick up an accent immediately. I do too. Like, and I, yeah, and I can't help it. And I love it. And even when I hear it back, I'm like, I don't care. It's mine now. Cause I'm in this area. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it just, I, I just kind of move that way. It just, it's just what, and when I get mad, Oh, I'm hella black. I'm oh, yeah. so, Oh yeah. When, yeah. When when all that starts popping off, like my family's like, oh, he's he's <laughs> about is. to go black saying, and and, they, and and you know they just kind of like, all right, you know, let's calm down, big fella. Let's that's funny. Let's talk this out, you know. So you have moved around a lot for for work and everything like that. But were you in St. Louis during like Ferguson? The the was that yeah. a part of? And yeah. how does that impact you living where you live? Yeah. So I live like a mile and a half from the police station. So, I mean, I'm, I'm here. And, yeah. uh, but I was also, I used to be a police officer and, I, you know, I was working with the union at the time of that. Uh, and now I work for, you know, an organization that's trying to defund the police. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've been, and I was worked for the public defender as well. So like, I've, I've done a lot around, you know, legal activities here in the state on, on all the sides. And so when I heard about it at first, I actually heard from the streets. So I, I came back from a, a camping trip and the people that uh, washed my car, they're like, hey, did you hear that uh, this this dude got shot by the police in the back? Mm. And this is like the day after, right? This mm. is before media. This is before all that stuff. And I was like, no, what happened? They said, oh, you know, my boyfriend's cousin was working on a roof. And saw the whole thing and told me what happened was the guy was like, hey, you know, I don't want anything. He walked away from the police officer. He got shot in the back. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, man, that's that's messed up. And, uh, you know, we we talked about other stuff. And then they said, oh, I think they might do some protests. And I said, they should. You know, that's not right. And then, you know, you (laughs) a year later. Right. We're all waiting on that verdict. I'm, I'm working as a as an organizer on a big campaign. And we're all like, you know, like we're ready to pop off. And long story short, we, you know, uh, when we didn't get the verdict that we thought was fair uh, about the murder of Mike Brown, uh, I said, hey, you guys are off. You guys can do whatever you want. And they did. You know, they went out to to help protest and Mm -hmm. and, uh, let folks know. But at the same time, I'm a dad, right? So, like, at the time, my kid's a small child. I mean, they're, you know, my, my you know, uh, gas stations are getting blown up. You know, I'm hearing all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I go home, and I'm, like, protecting my house because I'm, like, I don't know how big this is going to get, yeah. you know? And, uh, and it's, like, right around Thanksgiving. Uh, so... You know, it was uh, it was it was cool. A lot of people came to me later, you know, when some things subsided and said, Joe, you used to be a cop, but you also used to be on the public defender. You're half black, half white. Like, talk to me, make right. me understand this. And this was like police mostly like my, my you know, some of my so like white police buddies. were coming to you. Yeah. Like translation. So my, right. Because I used to be you know, I was in the academy. And so I still have friends who are white police officers. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, you know, like makes make this make sense to me. You know, like, why would you blow up your own place? And I said, when we got that verdict, this wasn't our place anymore. You guys did not give us justice. And so who cares? Like who? Also, proximity is when it's where you are, when you're like, I grew up during the L.A. riots. Um, 
it's not like a lot of everybody had cars or whatever to drive to other neighborhoods. So did, like they did it where it happened, you know, yes. like they did it where it happened. Uh, and that's a big part of that experience. Do you feel like you were sort of unfairly an expert? Um, for? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, for the probably for the first six months, because, you know, to this day, I still get some of these questions. Mm-hmm. But for the first six months, I was like, why am I getting these? You know, uh, it's obvious, but I was like, why am I getting these questions? And then it's like, oh, yeah, because I'm like the most Six people are going to save the world from racism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, you know. <laughs> but, I, you know, I was definitely the entry point for all sure. the folks, you know, yeah. and uh and and I would get, you know, protesters ask me, like, you know, can cops do that? No, they can't, you know, kill you. And, you know, yeah. you can always go one level up. That's what the law says. It's like, if you think your life's in danger, yeah. But, you know, somebody just talking to you and that not listening to you, that's just, you don't, yeah. that's not right. That's not legal. That's murder, you know? Yeah. I feel but, like. But I, did, I didn't feel like I was the, should have been, you know, the person telling everybody, you know, uh, what was going on. I was like, you know, you need to talk to people in that community that were affected. You know, all I can just tell you is, you know, some stuff that I learned from the Academy or not. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, mixed people do kind of get an unfair shake in terms of being an, uh, a translator or a, a palatable black, um, so that they can try to find like, you know, you're one of the good ones, Franklin, you know, like the peanuts thing or whatever. I, I feel like that happens to us a lot. And we're in this weird position of like, if I don't take this moment to educate, I might miss out on an opportunity or that person might miss out on an opportunity for growth. But also it's so much work and it's yes. it, it can be very taxing for us. And also we just because we our mix doesn't mean that we're equipped to protect the world from racism. You know, some of us have parents that are actually racist against the other partner, but right. they still got together and had us like that's right. a real thing. So it gets kind of frustrating. And I'm, I'm wondering too, like um, just generally, how do we deal with it? Because I think a lot of us deal with it differently. And I think like maybe the way I deal with it and the way you deal with it might be different because you grew up with a white parent and I grew up, with the black and Japanese parents, you know, who mm-hmm. happened to also be half white, but the white parents weren't there, you know, like, right. um, so I'm curious. It's, I don't know how to do this work, but I want to figure out what this work could be of figuring out, like, how do you translate for white people versus how do you translate for black people versus how I do it versus how this person does it? Yeah. Um, because I imagine, I imagine there's really interesting um, emotional acrobatics that happen for us. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody has to be in that space, you know, and, yeah. and some folks do it way better uh, than than you or I ever will. And then I think there's other folks that just can't yeah. every day. They're just like, I, I, you know, I try to keep it balanced and I try to I kind of see it as, as a burden of love. If someone's reaching out to me, mm-hmm. some crazy, you know, conversation about something, uh, you know, I want to be like, OK, like. I just need the strength to be patient with this individual and, and just have this conversation. I'm, you know, like everybody, I'm not always on my game, you know, yeah. uh, like you said, sometimes I'm like, you know, today's not the day. Today's not the uh, day. You know, with all the stuff that's been going on um, this year, you know, with 2020 and, yeah. and all the, the murders of black men, black women, like, 
there have been people in my, you know, workplaces, uh, not where I'm at now, but, but other places where I've like, like, I, I'm not the person to talk to today because you don't want to hear what I got to say today. Yeah. Like, give me a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, here's some books, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, read these and, and, books, then come, please. Right, and then come back to me, you know, with that, yeah. or I'll just defer them just straight up. Like, like we can't have this conversation. Yeah. So, you know, I'd ask you to, to ask somebody else. So. There's some people that I have, start, I, you know, I have the conversations with, I try to be helpful, but then when I notice that point at which there's no, there's no reciprocal effort and it's really just them having these therapy sessions with me so that they can find, they can be like, Oh no, I, I, I did the work. I talked to a Brown person. Um, that in those cases, I kind of fade out on those ones. Cause I was like, uh, you know, that one's probably not going to pan out, but, um, you know, it's exhausting. It's, it's positive and negative for both of us, you know, for all on all sides for us. Um, it's interesting work to do. I do think it's important at the same time that it's, you know, it's not always great that we have to be, that we have to be the ones that do that for folks before, before we start to wrap up, I do want to ask, do you have a black Viking meal? <laughs> Cause ever since I heard black Viking, for some reason that's in my head, I want to know how does, how does a black Viking eat? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so, you know, here in St. Louis, we're all about barbecue. Yeah, so right. just, I mean, copious amounts of barbecue, really, you know, uh, my wife's really got me hip to lamb. So we've been doing like these giant, you know, lamb shakes and stuff like that. But really, I mean, I, I go all out like for my 40th. I had mead. I had, mead. you know, how do you, brisket. how do you acquire mead in 2020? Oh, oh, there is mead everywhere. Is there? I had no idea. There is mead. <laughs> I am not joking. There, I think I, I said, I requested mead. Uh, and I got like, I think six different bottles and I was drinking it out of a, 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 a big old start. Like we went, we Lovely. went all the way in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. If you haven't checked out mead, it's made out of honey. It's delicious. See, I like honey. I'm not a big drinker. I'm, and I, de I definitely don't like like yeasty things. Um, it's not yeasty. No, it's not yeasty. No, okay. no. Try it out. There's, different, I mean, it's kind of like a, a mix of, of like a, like a, a different kind of wine, but it doesn't taste like wine. Okay. Uh, it's got its own thing going on. You can get some that tastes like wine, but just get like a normal, you're out there in Cali, right? Yeah. I'm sure somebody's got some I mean, it never occurred to me to search for it, but it somebody is. Somebody send is, her some meat, some free it meat. It's dope to think that there's like modern day Vikings just like drinking out of horns and making yeah, meat. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta go for it. Yeah. That's funny. Um, Did you have much access to like Norwegian quarter or Nordic culture at all? No. During your small family there? They were Americanized by the time? You know, no. Yeah, my my family was really kind of doubled down more on the um, Slovakian, you know, okay. Czech Republic stuff, which is cool. You know, uh, you know I hear that you can checks. trade a pair of blue jeans in the Czech Republic for like some really cool stuff. Like they're they like trade. Oh, I don't know. See, I've never been to Czech Republic. I've never been I would either, love but to I've go. This. I would I would love to go. I go to the Czech festival every year. Yeah, and I, and everybody knows who I am. Because I'm the only You're the black guy. Chick. That's right. And I started speaking Czech. They're like, oh, yeah, I, I remember that guy from my show. That's awesome. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so I like to ask everybody, and this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you you jumping on um, with me um, and just to be able to add another cousin to my family. Um, yeah. But I'd like to ask everybody who comes on the show, what do they love most about being mixed? 
You know, I think opportunity, if I have to, if I have to really say that, like you have the opportunity to be a spokesperson for so many different things. And I know it can be tedious, Mm -hmm. but we're in a unique position. You know, we're kind of like ambassadors for humans and we can talk to non-mixed people, mixed people, which then goes into all the other, you know, things that aren't, you know, one thing or the other. Mm -hmm. And I just, I like being in that space personally. I like to be able to connect with folks and always have sort of a unique um, viewpoint on things, but then try to connect those things. So I think it's just the opportunity to connect. That's, that's what I like. Yeah. Every conversation is an opportunity to learn something, grow, or hopefully fix somebody. (laughs) Yeah. And if it's bad, then you learn at least not to, not to mess with that person. Exactly. Do you want to tell people how they can, they can connect with your organization or anything like that? Oh, sure. So, um, so like I said before, uh, work for the Arch City Defenders. Uh, please check them out, archcitydefenders.org. Um, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, I think I'm Joe Holt or Joseph Holt. I don't know. I got a, I got the arch behind me. So <laughs> just look at the St. Louis arch. I'm like the only Joe Holt with the St. Louis chart. And then, you know, if you're rolling through St. Louis, hit me up on LinkedIn and, uh, you know, we'll get a coffee or something. Have a cup of mead. <laughs> you know what? Yes, we will. <laughs> yes, we will. If it's available. And, and, and after COVID. All right. And after I'm COVID. Right. Exactly. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one you can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.